All right. Yep. What's going on, Bobby? We're back. Back to back. We 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 just how how can you guys miss us if we won't go away, right? <laughs> we um, will at one point. It will be like a month, and everyone will be like, "Where are they?" Yeah. What the hell? Garden report, huh? Um. But yeah, there's still, you know, we you know we did the post mortem uh, yesterday, and we'll, we'll do a little uh, off season preview today because. It, you had the, the, you know, the brass kind of make the rounds. You have Brad. Um, did Ime not do an exit presser? No, they talked on the last game of the finals where they all went, oh, this is the worst loss ever, and you got nothing. I, I, so I, I a know. lot of teams do that now, too. I get it. Like, it's just kind of the uh, practice. It, but like, the co- I get the players. I understand, like, they want to leave. And, like, sometimes you're like, I'm just going to let them go and do their thing and not bring them back to the facility tomorrow. Uh, but what to, are you going to get from a player in five but, minutes after the worst loss of their life? <laughs> you're not you're not getting anything from them. But I, I, I forgot he made it and speak. But Brad's, Brad Stevens um, spoke to the media uh, this morning. Uh, Bobby and I were, were in um, on that press conference. Uh, so we'll give you some of the highlights from that, some of the things that he said. And then Wick Grosbeck went on, uh, you know, uh, sports radio later in the day and kind of, you know, double, double down on some of the stuff that Brad's saying. And, you know, uh, you know, credit to B Rob mass live yesterday. We talked about it, had kind of put out a report in the first report we'd seen about this, talking about how um, they've really been given the go ahead to spend. Um, now, again, I, I'm a little dubious that this just means, you know, you know, drunken sailor on shore leave. Like, I don't know if it means use all the TPEs and I don't care how deep we go into the tax. I have to think that everything is within reason and everything is going to be, um, you know, uh, you know, carefully vetted. Um, But it doesn't sound like the same situation that they had this year, which was you can't go a penny over the tax. It's really important to me. And it was very clear that that was a mandate and that's what Stevens was operating on. So he was handcuffed during the deadline and throughout the season, not only handcuffed uh, through what they could do in the deadline, he had to shed payroll uh, to make sure that they didn't hit that tax. Um, So they had to figure out how to do that while improving the team on the fly. It wasn't easy. It's very clear that, you know, they wanted that check. Um, you know, from all of the uh, tax teams and they didn't want to be one. And this year, uh, gloves are kind of off, so off we go. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We'll play some of the sound bites from Brad. We'll talk about Wick. A couple other little developing uh, items I think worth talking about, one involving an old friend, Gordon Hayward. Um, but Oh, we'll, that's something, huh? Oh, we'll, man, it's going to be a crazy summer. We'll get into that. And that's what's so fun is the summer, it, it's, it's so interesting how many different things could theoretically happen this summer uh, because of all of the uh you know unrest among so many teams you already know Kyrie Irving uh you know in his situation is in flux, yes. is in flux. You, the hardened thing you think he's resigning it's not really certain Ben Simmons is he returning to play basketball maybe beyond that you know you have the Hayward situation here you know the Lakers are looking to make big splashes and move on from Westbrook the Knicks are always lurking looking to do something really stupid with their money um but there's a lot of players uh, out there and plus also next year really interesting year because you have so many players returning um so so many teams are going to look so different than they looked this year uh, teams are going to be better teams are going to be healthier there's so many star players that just missed action so the entire landscape of the league as we knew it this year Year is going to change dramatically heading into next year. So we really are just starting here, but just dealing with the Celtics, I think the Celtics are going to have one of the more boring off seasons and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and we talked about it on the show yesterday, Bobby, uh, that probably the best thing that they can do is, you know, maintain their core not try to do anything splashy, um, not try to overreact to a loss and, you know, just try to build. But in order to do that, they need, uh, they need the dollars because really all they have is uh, use of a mid-level exception, a taxpayer mid-level, and these TPEs um, that they have here, three of them, um, one of which expires in a month, and then two other smaller ones that they can use into the year that they have a little bit of time to a 6.9 and a 5.8. I think it's 5.9 actually, but regardless, that's about right. So the 17.1, that one's coming up in less than a month. That's the one they want to use. Do you think that's sincere? 
that that, that I, they're gonna they're gonna use him here based on what we were hearing? I looked into the history today of this because it's not good. Yeah, yeah, it's not high, and I know it was ten years ago when you were a taxpayer, and it's a different time. I don't think there were any teams paying a hundred million in tax back then, uh, but now you do have these mega power teams like Golden State. Hundred seventy million in tax last year. Golden uh, Brooklyn, I believe, was even more than that. And your high point under this ownership group, I think, was what fifteen, seventeen million ish in there somewhere. Uh, you know, in the teen, mid teens somewhere. So they've never gone uh, much beyond where they're already at right now, which is about twelve million tax payment, or eight million over the line. And if you use that full seventeen million uh, TPE. That's a $90 million tax hit if you're not sending anything else out. So that Duncan Robinson thing we kicked around yesterday is effectively a $50 million commitment for one year. One year, effectively, for Duncan Robinson would be a $50 million real money payment, uh, which is heavy. And I know we both snub our nose at the tax, John, and rightfully so. But I also understand if you look at Duncan Robinson, if you're them and say 50 million for this guy, I don't know. Especially because it's it's not about the money you spend. It's about what it prevents you from doing otherwise. So I still think there's a case for it. But you start to look at what the actual cost is of some of these moves. And it's you definitely huge. do the mid-level, but it's huge. Yeah. But that's the thing is there's no fan out there that gives a crap how much money Wick spends. And again, it's always been my contention. If you're a sports owner and you're looking at your bottom line, you're doing it wrong. Um, you're not – you need to spend within whatever rules are allowed because that's the point of it. You're here to serve the fans and the fan base. You're not here to nickel and dime your way to, to profits. And I know some people do do that, but – Ultimately, that's just not what sports ownership is about. This is a vanity. This is a fun thing that billionaires do to just say that they do it. And honestly, that's really all you need. The owner is supposed to do nothing but say, here's a blank checkbook and let me get out of the way. I may jump in and say there's certain things that I don't think represent our brand that I don't want you associated with. So an owner could veto a particular move if he didn't really want a type of person to come in here. But beyond that, they should never have the opportunity to say, yes, I will spend that much money or no, I won't. If it's within the rules and, and it's, and, and you're, and the person you hired to run your team thinks it makes you better then that's what you're supposed to do. So I have no sympathy for Wick's wallet and I don't particularly care there and neither should any fan. We don't get into this. We don't start watching sports to, 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 you know, see if you can stay under the tax threshold. That's not really but what the, it's about. The question we have that's worthwhile is whether they're going to do it. And the questions asked today almost weren't relevant. Are you going to pay the tax? They're already in the tax. They're going to pay the tax no matter what. Uh, the level of tax they're going to spend is significant here. It's, it's already at that 8 million mark over the line. And what you basically have in the NBA is a tiered system where if you go, let's say, like $5 million over, it's this amount per dollar. If you go to $8 million, that's another bump, say, like 175 per dollar. And then there's another tier you move into based off like each $5 million you spend over the line. So they're right at that line of the next tier. And all of a sudden, I'm just looking now, right now your tax bill is $12 million. If you just use the mid-level, the $6 million mid-level, that's $26 million in tax for this team, which, again, is $11 million more than they've ever spent. No one cares. Ever. Pay the tax. It's not real money. Just pay it. I'm not, pay it, I'm pay not it, defending it. Wick. I'm just saying, is he going to do it? No one really asked and him today. So he didn't I, really answer. And that's, and, and that's it. You're right. The, he was not asked that which is are you willing to spend 90 million dollars in tax to 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 add two players this year that might 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 have marginal impact because that's the question and that's what it comes down to is it's a lot of money and I'm dubious that they're actually going to do it I believe the company line is um you know yeah sure for the right guy but who is the right guy and what is that and that's what we've know? asked all day yeah and who, who and what is, is that and what does that mean? So here's a little bit of Brad um, today talking about kind of uh, the TP being asked specifically about the TPE and kind of what he's been told with management and just how, you know, the, the team plans to go about it. How much do you expect them to be willing to spend this summer to help the team? Yeah, we've got the okay to do whatever we need to do. 
Well, I think the trade exception, there, there's a reason why a lot of the trade exceptions go unused, right? We have a bunch of them right now. We have one that expires. You know, obviously the big one expires in July. We've got a couple of others that expire later. They're all reasonable amounts that you can take good players in with. And so you balance that on, okay, what's the cost that you're going to have to pay? Um, who's going to, again, are you going to bring somebody in that's going to add to, not necessarily take away, which, you know, you obviously don't want to do. Um, so it's still about being prudent on and thoughtful about what the deal is. Um, you know, but we're, we're, we're going through the whole list and um, we're trying to find guys that fit what we need and will fit in to how we want to play and how he may wants to coach and, um, you know, and makes it so that this train can, can take off um, from the get go next year. I thought one of the, one of the things that caught up with us was that we started so poorly last year. That was a pretty good point at the end there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, yeah, there you are. I'm going to cut them off a little bit, but I understand they started off and then they got burnt out. They didn't have the depth. They played too many minutes. They were playing from behind. That's what Brad was going to say to close it. I wanted to get to the point of the bite where he said, we're going to bring somebody in here. That's going to play within the style um, that they, that they play. That's you something hit you, this. Went... you hit this pretty good yesterday. And that was basically yeah. the theme of the presser today. Yeah. And so that's what I'm interested in. And that kind of, that's what's, I, I'm not sure I'm for it entirely. Like theor- in theory, I do. And, and, and again, just to kind of, for people who missed what we were talking about the other day, what we had discussed then, you know, Bobby and I was, uh, you know, they're all in on defense, but they're short, you know, obviously they're shorting themselves a little bit on offense. So there's this vibe with the team and just the way that it's coached and the way Brad likes it or the email wants it, um, that everybody's got to be able to defend their position and they got to be switchable. And that's the brand that they want to play, but you know, and so they won't bring in guys who are offensive players only because they will be defensive liabilities in order to see the court on this team. You have to be able to defend in this scheme and in this system, because that's how they're going to play. Uh, but what you're missing there is that, you have players on your team that might be offensive liabilities and they're hurting you in other ways. So why is it okay to be really good at one thing, but not the other? And is it always going to be defense centric in a perfect world? Everybody would be a great two-way player and that's fine to acquire, but they're tough to acquire. You know, you you want a three and D guy. Realistically, you're going to get a three or D guy. I don't know that you're going to find these guys because everybody wants to fill their bench or, or their lineup with three and D guys. You know, we always talk about a Jay Crowder type, you know, like he was probably undervalued when he was here in Boston just to consider. Oh, definitely. That, I loved him. Ev- but I'm saying oh, undervalued in the sense of like he was never going to be a star. But the value of that player in that position is a, that he's starting on one of the best teams in basketball for the last two years. But he's an ideal, you know, wing depth sort of player that you just plug and play and you just feel confident having them out there. Of course, you want those guys. They're hard to find. So instead, you kind of have D and a little bit of O, you know, sort of guys. So. Yeah, they did talk about that today. That they are, they they want to they want guys to play within their style, and that worries me a tad because personally, I'd like to see them uh, look for offense only, and then every once in a while, you know, just play lineups where you have to hide a defender, hide a guy or two, um, because that's just what you need. And 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 we saw Golden State have those types of lineups and the ability to hide them and still have a championship caliber defense that was the reason that they won the title, not their offense, their defense. Um, so why can't the Celtics do that? I don't get it. Because the guy they bring in at that spot may not play. And that brings us back to the Robinson dilemma. Do do you pay that much for a guy who might not even be part of the rotation here? I I think they would take a flyer on a guy in that role who is low cost. Certainly their internal options, which we'll get to as well. A little bit of optimism. I think about some of the younger guys on the roster here, uh, which I think is kind of Brad's pitch rather than Ime's because Ime didn't play a lot of those guys. So that just sort of shows, I think, uh, something that Brad has to assimilate to here is Ime's coaching style. Like he could potentially give him players that don't mesh with his style, but it might not be conducive to actually getting anything out of that acquisition if they're not yep. going to be utilized to the fullest. I mean, we then we go through this with Schroeder and I guess Richardson's not as good of an example because he was a pretty good two-way player. But I mean, Schroeder felt like that was kind of Brad's, a deal value pickup and 
a guy who had a little bit of an agreement for a role on this team that put Ime in a tough spot. And it wasn't you know, Schroeder's defense. I want to take a quick pause, tell you about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Stanley Cup finals. Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use that promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Once again, that's betonline.ag promo code CLNS50. 50 for 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts it wasn't schroeder's defense that killed them um it was his offense uh the thing he was brought in here to do was a style just that talking, just did, yeah yeah more like stylistic he was not he was not an elite defender but he wasn't somebody and you know he's a bit of a pick magnet um but he wasn't a guy that was hunted you know uh, no. per se right he, he has had some stretches skills. he had some stretches too and he's a pesky guy and he can come up with steals he has good hands he's not you know uh, he's available want to bring him back <laughs> i don't know where he's gonna end up but anyway it does narrow you in a class that's already pretty narrow given your resources and given what's available out there i mean if you're not giving up dozens and dozens of million in tax that cuts off the level of a guy that you can get here and again we talked about this being an expiring asset if you don't use the 17 million here whatever you don't use of it is just going to disappear so you almost have to eat that tax just to have the asset available to you in the future here and that's why i like the robinson thing even if he's not an ideal fit for the system even if he's not guy who's necessarily going to be a major cog in your rotation sometimes you overpay i mean do you think any warriors fan was thrilled about andrew wiggins at 30 million this is the perfect comparison you don't love that contract you don't love the tax you're paying on it i mean a better example is kelly Oubre last year with the warriors who i think cost like upwards of 50 million in tax or maybe more for the warriors actually i believe i think he was pushing 100 million in tax kelly Oubre alone but it was a placeholder contract it was a guy that could fill that gap for a year, and then you figure out what you're doing from there. As much as you'll want to learn from what the Warriors did on the court this year, you, you want to learn from what the Warriors were doing on the books and in the GM office and everything they did to put that roster together. Wick got asked on the radio today, oh, what can you kind of pull from the Warriors' uh, finances here? Like, do you have to spend to that level? And he just kind of blew out the Warriors' example because they're spending – hundreds of millions on their team in tax alone Uh, so you know 500 million collectively on that team almost so uh, you're in a different universe right now and it is really tricky if you're not going to embrace the tax fully to compete with i don't know if you want to still use brooklyn as an example but they're a team that's willing to spend to that level uh your lakers your knicks potentially down the line and some of these franchises that just have this massive, massive money advantage on you, uh, Golden State, the latest example here. Yeah, uh, it, it is what it is. I mean, the Nets are there. Um, they can spend whatever they want. They're not really worried about money. You do have some I mean, let's, real- let's, get, let's get an idea of what the bill is going to look like this year for a couple of teams at the top here. You got the Clippers at $56 million in tax. You got the Warriors at $74 million. Uh, you have the Bucks at fourteen. And then you're kind of in that class there at around like 12 with the Nets and uh, Jazz. And I don't think this includes the repeater penalties on top of that. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you're a rung below, I'd say, the Clippers, Warriors, and Nets in terms of those elite playmakers. I guess everybody is, but still, if you want to compete at that level and those are your competition teams potentially next year, you got to at least bridge that gap a little bit. Like, you're never going to be the Warriors. You don't have that stadium. You don't have that payroll even some of just the way things shook out with Durant there allowed them to bring in more money than the Celtics realistically can right now this is what's frustrating is like I I, this is great if you do it and if there are teams that want to just shed salary you've got to be there that you I mean look at how many teams this year 
were desperate to get under the tax that were giving guys away. Uh, Norman Powell being one of those, you know, like, and that was a guy who I actually liked. And, and I thought, you know, there were a lot of teams who were just, I got to get under this threshold. I think last year at this deadline was, opportunities. was a real good opportunity to buy, uh, but they were so hell bent on staying below the tax. Um, and now they're okay to spend it because they wanted that, windfall to come back to them well again hindsight and all that but i mean we were saying it at the time you know that was a mistake and at the end of the day it might have cost you a championship if you if you weren't so worried about it last year you might have been able to pick up better assets sure you would have had to pay for it and you wouldn't have gotten that refund check uh but then you wouldn't have to worry about going and overpaying and spending 90 million dollars potentially on a duncan robinson type figure because now you've been given the clearance to so i i don't really understand the thinking behind you know that to me you should always just be looking at if teams are if the poorer teams the non-contending teams the teams that their number one goal is to not pay tax um want to give good players away, you have to be there and, and scoop them up. Uh, and I, I felt like that was an opportunity last year and, and, and they, and they kind of mucked it. So n- the end of the year and the new year is a reset. People are willing to, you know, throw some money around and, 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 and spend some resources in order to try and improve themselves. Uh, it's an open marketplace and everybody's a buyer at the deadline. Very few teams were very, very, very few. So now you've got a lot of competition. It's, a, it's a strange strategy just to save a buck. And it, which is why I say like an owner should never, ever, 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 ever think with their wallet at all. It's just, if that's, if that's your game, sell the team, you know, to someone who's not going to do that because but they're got, they're, got they're opening the this. door for they're opening the door for people to buy the the teams that are willing to spend are going to are going to have a huge competitive. This advantage. is why I always hated. Remember, Danny used to say, "Oh, the off season. It's much easier to do a deal in the off season." But when they kick the can I totally down disagree. from the deadline, yeah, I mean, yes, you and have no. this. You have this yes, hard cap restriction now, because so you can't guys that were under contract right. at the deadline who are free agents now. You don't have access to like Jalen Brunson, uh, Beal potentially too. Uh, there's different names that you could have maybe gotten in on in that part of the season who just you can't contractually get in on now. And like you just mentioned, the competition's much higher. It, it, yes and no. Everybody's involved now, and you're right. There's more. You're paying. You're sometimes paying a greater. What their point is, you're paying a greater premium at the deadline because you've got two, three, four guys available, and eight teams who are all who are willing to overpay because they're knocking on the door and they think they're one player away. So I mean, sometimes it is. This just was one of those years where it wasn't, and you have to capitalize on that. You have to recognize the opportunity, and they didn't recognize it. So uh, yeah, who that's went what Powell, Covington. Yeah, there, there a was a number there, of different guys we like. There are a bunch of guys that you'd be thrilled if you were able to get now with, with TPEs and whatever um, that you know, that, that not, but anyway, neither here nor there, if they really do have, uh, you know, the opportunity to spend, that's fine. Then we're talking about what the style is going to be. Now, this is what's interesting. We played that last Steven soundbite that said, uh, that, okay, they want to, um, have something that fits their system, which would lead you to believe it's going to be the type of player that can play the type of defense. That's the team's hallmark. But then he also did concede that, there's some offensive shortcomings on this team, and here's a bite he was talking about here uh, with uh, regarding uh, the team's lack of playmaking. Those issues are only going to be resolved by the players, con- like your main players, continuing to develop, or do you feel like adding more playmaking off the bench and making other tweaks is what you need to augment? What was the word you used? I can't even remember at this point, honestly. It was a, like, a, I didn't know what it meant. So I was trying to figure out what, what you were asking as you were going through it. Jared, I think we need a little bit more playmaking. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's real. You know, again, I thought, I thought, you know, I think we need more playmaking, but I don't think we can expect to, to be stagnant, right? So, like, we have to, we have to make sure that, um, you know, we continue to, you know, play with, pace when we're at our best we play with pace and when we create one advantage the ball whips around the court and you know I just thought that we we played pretty slow in that last series and uh, and again credit them they 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 impacted us for sure um, 
But, you know, and all that said, we had a chance to go up 3-1 in, in game four with about five minutes to go. And maybe we feel a little bit different. But there's no question that, you know, in this, in this league, um, the more guys that can, you know, make a play offensively, the better. Uh, and I think that the challenge, again, is, is making sure that whatever you do around the, the margins of our roster, you know, we have a unique identity um, and we have uniqueness in our size and our ability to be versatile, you know, all across the board. And so we have to take all of that into account when we're adding to our team. But There it kind of is again. We need more playmaking, but at the same time, we've got to still be big and be able to play the type of defense we want to play. So yeah, again, he said it about four times. And then again, so once again, you're ruling out like just like, you know, little motor scooter type of, you know, go, you know, just all offense point guards who are going to be undersized and not able to defend guys who are nothing but sh- but space floor spacers and shooters, but who aren't able to defend their position. Like there's no role for you on this team if you can't do that other stuff, you know, and it's almost like almost every- it feels like any player they would bring in is almost like NS Cantor, you know, on this team. Like I might be able to sneak him. I might be able to sneak five minutes of Cantor in, you know, and, and, and reap some of the benefits of his offensive rebounding and post presence, but that's it. Cause he can't play defense well enough to hang. And I'm just too worried about that all the time. So again, we're back to, yeah, we need more playmaking, but they've also got to be a dynamic defender and big and switchable where are you finding these people? Like you have a lot of people out there right now saying we need an upgraded point guard and, 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 and rightfully so people are like, who is that guy? Well now who is that guy? Who's the upgraded point guard? Who's also an exceptional defender and has size. Like, where are you? You're just adding more layers to the impossibility of, of this fine. And how are you acquiring them with a TPE or a mid-level exception, how in the world are you finding a player like this who can provide all of these things? I mean, we've certainly looked at every name that's available under those constraints there. And it's not like even Tyus Jones, who I think you'd be thrilled if you got Tyus Jones. He's a six-foot point guard who's probably going to have some issues you talk about there. Uh, So you're definitely restricting yourself immensely here. But I also get the thinking. I think one part I think you left out of it, John, is – he also mentioned you're not going to take away uh, something that's helping you right now and hope that something you're replacing that with is better. I, I think it goes back to smart in a conversation we had about him yesterday and just how available he is that I think he's one of your main value chips. If you were going to really go out there and get aggressive and pursue one of these higher value guys, uh, whoever that would be. And I think Brad and even Ime has learned that, what you got value-wise collectively out of smart by replacing the poor defense you had at that position last year with elite defense and one that really motors and anchors the system there is overall better value than maybe a little bit better offensive point guard play. There's no question. You're, you're looking basically at Kemba versus smart. What, yeah. Which team, which player under which player did the, did the team function better? It's smart. Um, and I keep saying Brogdon, like I'd rather you'd rather have Smart than Brogdon. That's like a great example, right? Like Brogdon's a solid defender; he's fine. Much he's better not a good shooter. Than, much better offensive player than Smart, scoring wise. But you know, is the passing that much better? Does he solve all the issues you have there? And then you're much worse defensively, I think. Not to mention the durability concerns with Brogdon. Yeah, uh, which I think you got to look at. I mean, and I, I take know, it back. But he had a bad shooting year. But yes, Brogdon coming off of he can't play a full season ever, ever. And he's coming off a year he shot thirty one percent from three. Obviously, he's a better shooter. Than he was that derailed, overall. yeah. So, but he had a rough year. Um, so yes, he's a scorer. Um, you know, is he a facilitator? No, it's not. The, that's not that guy. He's not that guy. He's a guy who can score. So does today take Robinson off the table? You think just based on the comments we heard? I, I mean, yes, in the sense of like, if you're, if, and again, Robinson was just a name we threw out there because you know you need shooting and he fits in the TPE. I don't think there's necessarily what they're looking for. I think it's more likely than not, you're not going to 
trade for a player that fits into the full TPE, most likely you're going to do 13, a 12 million and 11 and 13. Yeah. Yeah. You can split it. I, I, I highly doubt you're going and getting, uh, a, a single guy who's at that number. Robinson was thrown out just because he's right under that number and he fills a need. I never really thought he was a realistic guy, but it's a fun debate to have, which is to say, would you bring in somebody with an elite skill set and one that you desperately need who doesn't at all fit your profile? Um, well, it was fun, yeah, also because he was probably free. So now if we're looking at some of these other names, like I think there are some appealing ones that are much less costly tax-wise yeah. and salary-wise than Robinson. The three but, that really stick out to me probably are um, the guy Malik Beasley, who they've had a lot of interest in in recent years. Um, my other one would have been uh, the uh, – who's the forward who used to play with LeBron there? Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Contavious Pope, yeah. If you, say Sadar- if you say Sadoransky, we're, we're logging off. No, right? no. he. I, I I saw the headline the chat I was know, talking know, about. Know, He's know, off know, to Spain. What a shame. That means he was available. Yeah, so Pope, um, who was the one I just mentioned. Uh, Pope. um you know, any wing, any wing out there that brings shooting and a little bit more defense. I know people like Harder. Beasley was the one I mentioned. And then like a like a Richardson type. That's the killer, right? And we're going to keep <laughs> asking that question forever. Could you have just kept them? It's a much lower salary, too. It's unreal what they cost themselves last year by like backflipping over the tax. And again, everyone, all these all these cat people are saying, oh, they avoided the cap like it was some big accomplishment, or the tax, rather. You cost yourself a lot by avoiding the tax, and what do you gain? Instead of paying the repeater tax in 25, you're paying in 26. What's the value on that? I mean, that's beyond Tatum's contract, even. I mean, there was no need to avoid the tax last year. So again, I don't know. Did the Spurs want Richardson? Maybe they did. Maybe they said, we want him because we can flip him in another first this offseason. But if you could have kept Richardson and the Spurs didn't even want him and you just want to dump him because it matched salary and you keep this TP here, what was the point? Because now you're looking for Richardson. Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like if you were able to require, acquire if, acquire Richardson with the TPE for nothing, wouldn't you be like, that's a pretty good find, you know, if for a portion of the TPE? You'd be like, yeah, that's a, that's they did a great. The same, they did the same thing with Fournier. They added Fournier, they split the TP in half for no reason, flipping out Tice because they needed to offset the cost and avoid the tax, and then they brought back Tice, an even they, bigger number later. They bring back Tice for a bigger number, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, what, you look at all the moves they've made over the years to avoid the tax and cut salary, shipping and everyone out, has killed them. Shipping Cantor out along with Desmond Bain to avoid the tax, and then bringing Cantor back, you know? I know, uh, and that was even if bringing Cantor back was a good move, it just looks so ridiculous, and it wasn't a good move in the end. Uh, it, it's crazy. It just goes back to just pay some tax. It's not killing you. What, what did they gain? They've been out of the tax since 2019. And what did they gain? They were contending in some of those years. They were certainly contending this year. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And now yeah. they're in a worse spot trying to get back into the tax. So that's they what can't I mean. Add like, anything easily. So again, I, I hate this whole like, we are willing to do whatever it takes. You kind of missed an opportunity to have done what it would have taken, per- perhaps to have won a banner last year, and to have you could set even yourself- go back to Hayward and to have set yourself up for success moving forward in a better way. So now you're okay with it. Well, you should have been okay with it all along because you've you you uh, you've handcuffed your team in so many times over the last three four years with this just slavish insistence on staying below the tax that you've thrown draft picks away for nothing just to stay under nothing just toss them away and it's insane to me to be selling off first round draft picks to be able to get under the tax uh, under the, the 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 tax threshold yeah i mean insane do you really think me. the spurs wanted richardson i mean come on i don't i don't <laughs> think it mattered didn't. they want they wanted the picks yes I mean, they took Langford, and you know, they just they're probably going to so now. So, if they are willing to do it now, then I'll say, what? Were, why? Why did you wait to, to this long? I don't. I I don't get it. I don't get it. 
yeah, I'll give some credit to the Richardson people. I didn't think it was that important to keep him around. He certainly would have helped, and long-term, the salary would have He maintained that shooting throughout the year. He finished the league, I think, top 10 in three-point uh, shooting percentage. Again, not some of the volume of some of the top guys in the league for sure, but he kept that going all season long. He was a valuable guy uh, and a team desperate for that. I mean, desperate, desperate, desperate for a shooter and somebody to spell the Jays a little bit. Uh, and again, if you could have found a way to keep both – you might be having different conversations. We might be having totally different conversations right now. And they friggin' loved him. And Tatum loved him. You know, like he was a good This teammate. is a great point here, too, of like the fallout effect of all this. And I know B-Rob wrote about this a, a year ago or so. That whole Fournier misuse of the TP, too, screwed up your whole Beal pursuit, if that's what you want to do. Because yep. you could have kept kicking it to the future with those trades uh, to the point where you would have had a Beal-sized extent, uh, uh, TP. So you would have basically and, and been gotten him with nothing but draft picks, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, they've screwed this up. And you know, again, in the end, you're in the finals, so you kind of walk backwards in the success here, just because of how great yeah. those draft picks were from Tatum, Brown, Robin, Smart. What? But somebody on around Twitter, the edges, you're screwed because of it. One of my uh, a follower on Twitter um, said um, wanted me to mention uh, Victor Oladipo uh, as a guy. Um, is that somebody you've you been talking consider? about him for years? Did well, you Matt, see him in the East Finals? I have, but now you're talking about you want the the fifty percent of him that still exists now as a bench guy, not as a starter or a star. I think you're in a good spot for guys like that on minimums if they really want to come and join the finals team. That would be awesome. But I don't and, think that's know, what he wants. Maybe, maybe not, but yeah, I'm more willing to listen on Tucker than ever before if if the price is right and that's the kind of guy that's available to you for $6 million. Even if, if you have to do two years there, that's tricky, but he's effectively a backup center, right, in certain kind of lineups. So he'd be useful and versatile at that spot. Again, I don't love Oladipo as a player, so I'm probably out on him just because it looks like he has nothing left at all. I love. I, I thought he played pretty good defense, and I think he can provide he some. Did. I thought he can provide some offense off the bench. This is the guy. I mean, I know. I know he suffered a serious injury. He was an all defensive player. Um, you know, a few years back, that's something that's in his DNA. He he's not. It's not a fluke that like oh he reinvented himself to play some defense because he, you know his offensive game is suffering now. He he was a very good defensive player in, in his prime, which was only a that's few a years fair ago. point, and he looked good. He looked good on that end in these finals. So I, I think I think again, you know, that's as and and again, I'm just someone had brought it up here. Uh, you know, on 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 uh, on Twitter, Dalton. Um, so I wanted to mention that. Uh here uh just to see just as a name um so we're talking about this stuff and whether they will spend and what they will do and again there's no reason to talk about the past but you know i do think the past is prologue in a lot of different ways and if they haven't spent before are you confident they will now or is this a lot that's of like a service? 2010 that's like a 2010 celtics move by the way right oh we're bringing in victor oladipo here's Rasheed wallace <laughs> yeah i it's i like the name i hadn't somebody had mentioned it in the chat um, in the last show we did too, and I didn't bring it up, so I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad this. How about uh, Carmelo? Interest in him? I, another one somebody threw out there was Mook. Um, you know, I don't love that one because again, we're gonna get to the Hayward news of the day. You know how much I love him, but I just don't think you circle back to the stuff that didn't work before, especially with this core, right? <sighs> I guess there's a scenario with, I don't think there is a scenario with Hayward, maybe Morris, if there's absolutely nothing else, but again, he has knee problems that have gone back to his last stint here. So I don't think you want to mess with guys who have availability issues right now. Yeah. Uh, you want All right. Well, let, let's get to the other news then. Uh, we, uh, the, the latest news and we'll wrap a little bit after this, but um, you know, uh, we do want to get to that. I also do want to tell people just a couple of notes. If you want to, uh, you don't have to, you know, uh, wait for us. You can join. Oh, I wanted to tell you about discord. Um, our discord server, clnsmedia.com slash discord. The chat is always going there. Uh, well over a thousand people in there um, actively, you know, hundreds in there at a time chatting up Celtics all day and night, uh, go in there, check it out. It's a really good community. And I know a lot of you people have already joined, but if you're just looking for a place to go hang with some people, chat Celtics, start, your own chat rooms talk with one another uh great opportunity to do so bobby and i jump in there from time to time along with sharad jimmy but Bo- josue 
Um, you know, Gelso is in there as well. So that's always good. But again, also want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor. That is Calm, uh, number one sleep and meditation app. We know for some people trying something new can be a little bit weird, but I'm telling you, uh, this is well worth it. You know, everyone's really worried about their morning rituals and starting their day off right, but ending it the right way is just as important, if not more so. So we're talking about different steps you can take here by using Calm, uh, guided meditation, sleep stories, curated mu music tracks, stories that are both for kids and adults. Um, you know, uh, obviously sound effects, forest sounds, whatever it is, just really soothing stuff that'll really help you kind of unwind, get your mind right, get the sleep that you need, you know, get yourself mentally in the right place, which will also help you get your body right as well. So we strongly advise checking it out. It's a tremendous deal. If you do go to calm.com slash garden, you can get 40% off a premium subscription. Um, so it's worth checking out. I'd say go for it. They're saying you don't meditate in the chat or they don't believe you do. <laughs> Me? Yeah. I have two speeds, guys. Two, <laughs> two speeds. It's on and off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. How do they know? You can, you can tune it down right after. The I, show. I can just, it, up. It, I have two, it's start and stop. Those are my two speeds. Trust me. So when I'm on, I'm on. And when it's off, it's off. So absolutely. And plus you've got to be able to, I got to bring this down somehow, you know? So, um, definitely check it out. I really do think it's worthwhile. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Again, support our sponsors. It, it, it helps us, obviously, and it helps us bring you more content um, for free as we like to do so uh, as much as possible. And again, we're still doing shows after the finals. we got another one coming up on Thursday. So uh, we need our calm, but we need your support as well. So again, if you are interested in checking it out and you're even slightly curious, at least just go check out the website, calm.com slash garden, receive 40% off a premium subscription. We want to wrap this show with this latest news on the Hornets looking to trade basically they're looking to offload gordon hayward by attaching a first round pick to a deal so that's it two years left on gordon on his four-year 120 million dollar deal that they signed when they swooped in and took him away from the celtics and what do you know they want out and again it's understandable because they have young stars here that they want to pay uh rosier's obviously worked out really well for them and you've got bridges and you've got lamello and bridges wants a max deal and they want to be able to do that so they want to get out for gordon and this sounds to me like they are giving gordon hayward away who wants him do you want him bobby it's not gonna work i i do part of me wants him because i thought he was such a perfect fit next to the Brown and Tatum tandem. Of course, his playmaking has been dearly missed ever since. The biggest se reason last year was a disaster is because they didn't replace him. So I think people saw his value that they lost there. But I, the money doesn't work. There's no real way to match it. What are you going to send? Tice, White, and Al. It's Al. Al. It's yeah, it's like Al. You, you're not doing that. And plus, the reliability questions that a lot of people in our chat had and a lot of fans had in general really came to fruition there. He's gotten hurt every single year in Charlotte. So you don't go back to that. You, I, I think there was certainly some friction on the team over his role and the coach and everything like that that came out. And you just don't want to circle back to that era. I mean, how awful was that era looking back on it? Just all the disdain, all the injuries. All the dysfunction. The disdain, I don't know if it was personally directed at Hayward. It was directed at Steven's blind faith in Hayward over the yes. guys who were there. And so I don't know that Hayward did anything to, uh, you know, bring that on himself. I think it was he was Brad's boy. Brad gave him the benefit of the doubt. And you had two guys in Tatum and Brown who were like, I'm better than this friggin' dude right now. Why is he playing? You know, and not Tatum as much as Brown. Why is he playing over me? And again, you're also talking about hungry mouths like Terry Rozier and Ma Morris. You know, Marcus Morris on that team. And everybody's like, I'm pretty friggin' good too. So that just, you had about four guys on that team who had a beef, you know. I will uh, say though, this looked like a, a potential budding contender in the East here. And it's going in the wrong direction, certainly now. They lose their coach that they signed or agreed to have head coach them and now they're looking for a coach again uh, Kenny Atkinson backing out of that and 
now they're talking about bringing Russ in, and this is a report we've heard several times, the possibility that you could be flipping Hayward for Russ, which Lakers fans should be very excited about. I mean, think of Hayward and Russ. Massive spot. upgrade. Massive upgrade. <laughs> Even with the health concern. And now you're trying to fit in Russ next to Melo and Bridges and all these guys down in Charlotte. And is this just Jordan saying, I've got this Jordan athlete here I can bring in and sell and <laughs> have under my wing? It doesn't make any sense. I think this just brings Jordan's ownership here further in the question. It hasn't been a great ownership tenure down there. And it's probably a team that's not going to reach its peak and compete with the Celtics at the highest level here. I mean, they're still looking to make the playoffs for the first time with this core. Uh, and they've been at their best with Hayward, right? Every time he's gotten hurt, they've been in a good spot and they've fallen apart after that. So this isn't good news by any he had they had the i remember bobby we were talking about this during the year their the on off numbers with hayward in terms of the impact that he had on that team and uh, just the record alone yeah yeah was 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 substant was significant um so they really do suffer when he's not out there and again in the right role um he's still a really good player because he's 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 he just does everything. He's smart. He's unselfish. He moves the basketball. He can handle it. He's a facilitator. Honestly, and what's, what's the funny? Is, what's funny it's is, the same combo we just had. Gordon Hayward's mentality about basketball is what you actually want to inject into Tatum and Brown's veins to get them to be more complete players and recognize. I loved it. his game. I don't yeah, think and, anyone ever appreciated it enough. And, and recognize the full version, but yeah, recognize you have the requisite skills to go off when needed or when the opportunity is there. But sometimes what the game needs is something else. So just do that and don't worry so much about scoring all the time. He's just very good at that. Um, and he's good at looking for a shot and he's good at, I mean, how many, shots do you feel he forced ever you know like everything he's just he makes the right read you talk about how many times the Celtics ran into issues with players having the ball and not making the right read Gordon Hayward always makes the right read he really does he's that kind of player so you would like a piece of that you know um but again it doesn't work here because now you're talking three wings where you've already got two. The only way you bring in a guy like Hayward is if in a separate deal, you were going to move one of your other wings for some other big blockbustery landmark position altering trade. It's just not going to happen. So the Hayward fit here doesn't work, but yes, my God, if you didn't care about money and you didn't care about what it took to get him and it was easy and you could just take Gordon Hayward's skill set and plant him on the Celtics, hell yeah you would do that you just there's really not a way to make it happen there's ways to make it happen i'm just not willing to do it if he's this injury prone i think we've learned that he is it hasn't been a season he's gone through and his reliability and his ability to come back have been put in the question here. i know so, but the the, the the wellesley police and the cheese shop would be so happy right yeah yeah Again, if if he's healthy and you feel good about him, and he's had a, he's not even available. The fact that he's they're trying to get rid of him here just shows it's a damaged asset, and you're not going to give up Horford for that. You're not going to give up Smart for that. If this was Hayward, and you were really sure you were getting Hayward, I think you do look at those two things. But right now, I think you're out of this. They're going to do the Rust thing probably, and my head's going to spin. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was uh, it's a bad off season, and it might have worked out for you anyway. Um, I I guess you, you still look back on the management of that cap space and think. And again, somebody here it. saying like we said they needed another wing. What are you saying? No, I mean you need a you need a you need a wing who's willing to come in and accept playing 18, 19 minutes a game who can spell Tatum and Brown, who's going to cost you 12, 13, $14 million, not a $30 million luxury piece to stick in your bench. Like that's bad business. You would think, like I said, if you weren't thinking about money, yes, Gordon, Hay you would take a Gordon Hayward on your team. He's a good basketball player. And he makes you better, but it's just, I don't know how, you'd have to move a lot of things to make this work. It'd have to be Horford probably, right? Horford for sure. Yeah, so there's a world in in which Hayward's right that I would think about doing that, but where he's not, no way. Well, well let's put it this way. Would you do Horford for, uh, Hayward for 30, you know, for, for two more years, if you got a pick out of the deal to give Horford away for 26 and, and, and live, live without Horford here? 
you're asking the wrong guy that question. <laughs> That's the only deal. That's the way the deal works. But then they would have to take on Hayward. They would have to take on uh, Horford. No, I, 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 you just saw what Horford did last year. I think that's super valuable going forward. And there's the potential that he could be a minimum guy for years to come after this season, which I think is valuable as well. I think the underrated part of this Hayward thing and the reason that the there will be if you got rid of Horford this year, there would be a Horford round three. He would come back. You'd you get him. So? He'd, he'd return in another year. Yeah, maybe it's a wink-wink, and it's just salary relief for the Hornets. And he gets right in Charlotte this time. He had his Oklahoma hiatus, and now he has a Charlotte hiatus for a year. Imagine a Celtics team that's a one seed heading into the final week, final two weeks of the season, and then Rob and Hayward both go down. Yeah, there's a buyout of Horford at the at the March deadline. I don't think that's how it works, but uh, this, this isn't happening. It's fun to kick around, and it's good memories. I mean, this was our first rendition of the show, the the Hayward Celtics, so I really loved that year. And they were rolling when he was looking good in the bubble, remember? That team was probably better than the team we just watched. But The funny the funny thing is, is, like, you know, everybody thinks we have our roles on the Garden Report, and Jimmy and I are the, are the cynics. But, like, Jimmy and I were like, this team's the best team in basketball, and they're winning the title, and nobody's getting in their way. I mean, we were so bullish on that team because I really did think that, that they had something going until Hayward got hurt there, and that really derailed everything. But they were – I thought they were a wagon going and headed to the finals. I don't know if they would have been able to beat the Lakers that year, but – I, I they were I the think most healthy they would have but they were the best bu- they were the best bubble team I mean them in Phoenix <laughs> but they were the best yeah. bubble team you know they were so good yeah I, that's a good conversation which team was better them at their peak of the Celtics this year it's probably pretty close but yeah uh, he gets hurt and everything changes the big but two I think he's bigs, probably the swing the bigs that year and then Kemba was tough yeah um anyway so uh you know that's all we've got for tonight but we did want to kind of you know just hang with you guys a little bit and talk some of this Brad Stevens stuff any other picking up the pieces here um before we wrap I know um Wick talked as well your general read on 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 his situation there and not not too much revelatory he he certainly said they'll do whatever it takes which is pretty vague uh other than that just a lot of talk about the year that, that was and we did it and all those things. Yeah. I, I love that dead silent all year until, you know, I was super surprised to hear from him. It had, it had been a while victory lap, but uh, was there anything else on there? I, oh yeah. No one's interviewed Brad Stevens. That's good news. Sounds like he's in it for the, for the long yeah. haul, but he also talked about the continuity as well. I think the big takeaway of the day is smart's not going anywhere. Rob's not going anywhere. Your starting lineup's probably back here. And most of the bench guys, you're going to add to the edges if you can. And this team's essentially running it back here, which I don't think anyone can be too upset about. It's, it's the reality. Uh, it's again, uh, you know, one thing Brad said, I, and I didn't play this bite, uh, but just talking about, and I know we, we, we'd snipped it, but we're not going to get to it. Uh, the fragility kind of, of this whole thing. I do. That was think interesting. That, huh? What was your takeaway of that comment? Sum it up real quick for everyone. I mean, I can play Let me see if I can, if I can find it, I'll play it real quick. I'll let other people kind of make the, make the decision. Yeah. Here. This is interesting. Oh. Brad, Brad was, yeah, we'll, we'll play I, the clip. I do have my take on what I think it is. Hold on. Uh, let me see if I can find it, and I'll, I'll play it up here real quick. Um, where is it? Where are you? I don't want to accidentally. I forget exactly what he was asked, but he 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 was basically talking about the downside to tinkering with the team or bringing in a piece that doesn't fit or replacing uh, one piece with another piece there, like sort of messing with the identity of the team that they built last year. They want to maintain that. But the way he described it was interesting to me. All right, let me see if I've got it right here. Let me load up Brad. All right, I'll play this bite here. Um, here's Brad Stevens talking about how kind of like year to year, uh, maintaining your identity and everything is, is, is fragile, even though they have an identity now. And I mean, if you would have told me going into the Golden State series that we shoot 41% from three, I would have thought we have a heck of a chance of winning, um, obviously, but um, came up short. As far as improving, it's the same old deal. Draft, develop, and deals. You just look for things that make the most sense within your group. I think that we have a little bit of a, you know, we have to, to walk a fine line a little bit. I think, it's, I think teams are fragile. I think the way that teams work together and operate together are fragile. And I think your identity 
as a team when you find one that's successful, which we did this year on the defensive end of the floor, and when we were at our best sharing the ball offensively, those things are fragile. And so just to add doesn't mean that you're not taking something away from the group. And to change significant pieces in the group doesn't mean that that might not totally um, take your identity and shift it in a direction that's not as successful. And so it's quite a fine line. If you ask me right now what we need, I'd like to have a little bit more scoring, consistent scoring off the bench. Um, and, you know, I think that we have some short-term needs there, but I believe in a couple of the guys that didn't get a chance to play as much that they will continue to improve and be. So I'll cut it there. Long, long, long story short, Bobby, I think it's yet another um, way of saying that we have an identity. And if we bring in a Dennis Schroeder type who is specific, who has one specific skill set, and that's to play offense or a shooter um, that that could disrupt the whole thing, you know? Um, and so it's, it's yet another thing that kind of falls in line with this thing of like, we really need the people we bring in to fit our mold and our identity, which means again, I just don't see them bringing in a guy who can only do one thing. Yeah. I, I don't get the downside to doing it besides money or it's such a bad deal. Like in the Robinson case that you you're stuck there and you're already kind of stuck with the white move. If that doesn't work out and certainly the Tice one here. So you'd be three moves in that keep you stuck roster wise at that point, but you got to try, right? And maybe it's not now, maybe it's down the line and you want to keep that flexibility. But part of that, as we talked about, is still maintaining that salary slot. So you got to make some sort of move here. You got to bring in someone and no one's going to be perfect. No one that's attainable is going to be this two-way dynamite player. So I'm actually closer to you than I thought, John, on that on that point you made yesterday. It, you got to be a little willing to veer at that spot, at the ninth or tenth spot on the roster from your identity to make this team more deep and versatile. And listen, I understand Brad's perspective from not wanting to trade smart. I think if you flip smart out with a worse defensive point guard, you could be net worse. So I understand his discussion if that's what he's talking about there. But otherwise, I think you can add a guy at the bottom end of the bench who isn't as dynamic defensively. And that's the thing is, you know, it's, you know, points, points scored, points, points prevented. I mean, I, I get what he's saying. I think he's also saying the ripple effects of like, if the entire team is this, you know, unit that plays on a string, particularly as they did on the defensive end. And that's what made them so great and gave them their identity. You bring in one or two people that just kind of don't jive with that. Does that make everybody around you worse and and drag the whole thing down? And so, and again, that's why I mentioned Dennis Schroeder, just Schroeder didn't fit with whatever it was they were trying to do. And every time that they inserted him, they had to take on a different identity on the floor than that within who they wanted to be all the times. Kemba Walker would be an example of a person a year earlier and why that messed with them so much. So then you I had to try to get rid of them. And that was a one year small contract, never mind a $75 million contract. Yeah. So I get all of that. I get where they're coming from with it, but uh, more of the same there. So uh, again, I think it's very clear. There's two clear messages coming out of today. The core is going to stay largely the same, which means. You don't love Marcus Smart as a point guard too bad. That's going to be your point guard most likely next year. You don't, you know, you think, uh, you know, obviously you have the Jays who are going to remain. You're going to have Al. You're going to have White. You're going to have uh, Rob. And then as we've discussed, uh, you're looking for a couple of guys who are going to come in after the big six there and play some meaningful minutes and provide some things that you need. But also, those guys have to fit the identity, which means you're not just going to go get a couple of specialists or shooters. You're going to get guys who you think can play within your system and guys who can defend. So, again, just throwing out names like a P.J. Tucker type and things like that. Obviously, those people fit in with the mold and the identity of the team, and that's really important to them to preserve. And they've been given the financial flexibility, presumably, to make some of these moves and try to get some of these guys. So now it's in an bread we trust sort of uh, situation where Stevens has to identify these guys and figure out whether or not they're worth bringing on the roster and whether they're going to fit. But 
I mean, for an end of the season press conference where normally you don't get a lot, I do think they did tip their hand a little bit. Doesn't mean they're going to do exactly what they say they're going to do, but when you don't really, when you aren't really trying to fake people out, then there's not really a sense to obfuscate. and, and, and Brad didn't, it's not like he gave specifics, but I think they're pretty clear. Yeah. We're trying to get a couple better players with the means that we have at our disposal, which is a TPE and MLE. And that's pretty much it. And then we'll see what else we have in our, on our own bench. I think that's pretty transparent and pretty honest and pretty, pretty clearly, uh, you know, what they're, what they're going to be trying to do this off season. Yeah. And they have to make those two moves, the mid level and the TP edition. Cause those are, effectively assets that just expire if you don't use them so there's no point in not using them other than just saving money and i don't think they'll aimlessly just try to save money here for the sake of saving money i do think wick will spend to just at least utilize those assets there now how much they do is still the question we don't know at this point the last one there on the young guys on the roster i know i've been a big pritchard fan but he was fine this year i think he did show who he is in the end uh, and Smith certainly isn't in a great place right now, although has made strides defensively that I pointed out today in my article. So maybe it's worth waiting for his shooting turnaround just because he's made progress on the other end. And I was surprised to hear Ime at the end of the year talk about Sam Hauser making defensive progress. So when Ime talked about guys who didn't play as much last year, perhaps factoring in, I think that's a little encouraging. I just wouldn't rely on those guys for your depth i think if they appear it's great if they don't you already have it's almost like it it's like it happened with rob i don't think they were counting on rob and all of a sudden rob started robbing you know and they were like oh whoa hey what do we got here so yes certainly you could enter the season with what you think your core nine are with Neesmith and Hauser on the outside of it. And if they play their way in there or play their way past some people who you had higher on the depth chart to begin the year, freaking gravy. Are you kidding? Who here wouldn't be thrilled if all of a sudden a switch flip for Neesmith and, you know, he had a Jalen Brown sort of revelation, you know, from year, you know, one to year two <laughs> well, or two to three. If it was a Jalen Brown revelation, we'd really be talking about not quite, but I mean, you know, I point to Jalen just because he looked lost and he looked raw after one year and you expected that he hadn't played a lot of basketball and he came in raw to begin with and then in year two you're like this guy's got a little bit more to him than we thought and he's kind of you're starting to see it so Neesmith if you want to lump years one and two into one messed up year for him um maybe you can say, okay, what if I, I, I'm not bullish on it, but I agree with your point a hundred percent. You can't count on it, but you can be pleasant, pleasantly surprised if it happens. And if it yeah, does, like we've great. talked about, there's no, there's no need to get rid of anyone just for the sake of getting rid of them. I think you keep as much as you can here and you try to add to it. And if there's value that you can improve upon and you're surprised by that, Maybe you do make a move to surprise some people here, but I just don't see the starting lineup changing on this team at all, nor do I think it should. I just don't think there's opportunities. We're going to keep talking about Beal. I think today splashed some more cold water on that, especially when Wick was asked about a super team and he deferred to continuity and the Celtics certainly, uh, Brad rather talked about that a lot today too, their identity, what they want to be and depth and all those sort of things. So I don't think Beal is going anywhere anyway this summer, but it definitely kicks the can back on that potential. And we talked about that yesterday. If that's a possibility down the line and your offense is struggling to start this year and you really don't look like you're in a good spot with Smart at point guard, then maybe you do kind of pull that escape valve and look at making that move with some of the salary and picks that you've assembled here. Uh, if if not, then you can roll forward with what you have right now. But So I think you can kind of have the best of both worlds there. You can run it back, and if it doesn't work, you have a lot of uh, flexibility to continue to make moves into the season. So that's where we're at. Um, one thing we want to tell you guys about, um, we, just as a reminder, Celtics don't have a first-round draft pick, but the draft is on Thursday. They pick number 53. Ooh. Bobby's been you know, burning the candle both ends here, um, trying to you know, do all of his research and come up with some players. Check out CLNS Media for a little bit of draft preview stuff coming up heading into that draft on Thursday. And what we are going to do is we'll be on standby here on Thursday night should the Celtics do anything silly like trade for Gordon Hayward and acquire the Hornets' first-round pick and trade Or the Robinson thing. I saw the heater floating their first-round pick out there, so maybe that happens and they get a first-round pick through that. 
who knows, but if the Celtics find their way into a first round pick um, in some way that uh, we we're going to jump on there right away. Obviously if they make a move, any sort of trade, it is an active day. You know, there are transactions being made there. So we'll see Um, if there is a move made, we will jump in immediately, analyze and and discuss whatever happened. If the Celtics trade into the first round, we will be there uh, to discuss that as well. And if not, we'll wait until they make their pick and we'll come on and we'll kind of talk about. Or they could pull a Pats and trade out of 53 and then we just don't go live at all. (laughs) No, but I mean, we'll, we'll we'll, we'll come on, we'll put a bow on the night. We'll talk about other things that happen around the league, you know, go over some of the stuff there. And I know, even though the Celtics don't have a pick, there is interest among you yeah. um, in just kind of what happens generally. Uh, and it is a big night, obviously, on the NBA calendar. So we do want to, uh, you know, do something. So uh, count on us to 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 be around and doing one of these shows on draft night. And again, just want to mention everybody, go check it out. Come. Go to com.com slash garden. It's the number one uh, wellness app, sleep and meditation aid. Um, com.com slash garden. Receive a 40% off your premium subscription. Uh, just go check it out if you're interested in this at all. I think it really is worthwhile. Um, so please check it out. Until Thursday night, we're going to take tomorrow off. If there's breaking news, we will always be here. I guarantee you that. So um, easy way to follow us is... Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channels, turn on your notifications, hit that little bell. You can follow Bob Manning here on Twitter, real Bob Manning, or <laughs> John underscore Zanis. Um, Robert uh, Manning, that's what they called me at the finals because of my hello. press pass. Yeah. <laughs> I, put, I, I put Robert in there. I wanted, you, I wanted to age you up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but a big finals run for Bobby. So that was great stuff. Great work, of course. But uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow Celtics CLNS. You get notifications that way as well when we are going to do one of these programs, which, again, are very frequent. Obviously, there's also a ton of free content that can be had on our YouTube channels as well with all of our uh, Celtics pods. We have a, a zillion of them, some of the biggest names in the market, podcasting, Cedric Maxwell, Jeff Goodman, Bob Ryan, uh, you know, Adam Kaufman with Celtics Beat, Brian Robb. Uh, and I know I'm uh, I'm going to be trying to stack uh, Sherrod Blakely, Gary Washburn. Sorry, sorry, and Bobby's Bobby's podcast Dome Theory as well. So you can check that Mark, out. Uh, Mark Schindler, one of those draft experts, is joining me tomorrow, and we'll try to have a few as many as I can lean up to the draft over the next couple of days. Again, I wasn't able to research the draft as deeply as I did last year with the Celtics getting knocked down in the first round. So always good to re- lean on some experts here. We of course have Jeff Goodman as well, who probably knows more about these people than anyone so yeah look out for uh look out for that over the next couple of days yeah jeff's probably been in like half of their living rooms in the last year so he knows these guys pretty well anyway again check us all i out remember uh we have we have a podcast if people want yeah. to jump back into the archives we should put that back out there yeah of chet and paolo when they were probably like 16 17 <laughs> they were entering they were entering their senior seasons in high school and Jeff had them on as the two consensus top two players entering their senior seasons before they even went to their, to Duke and Gonzaga respectively a uh, really cool conversation with Boncaro and, uh, and, and Chet Holmgren. So I, we should unearth that. Uh, and I think it's worth re-releasing that, uh, for sure. That was a really good podcast. Um, but again, we'll see you guys on Thursday night uh, for draft coverage 